Romans chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I want to preach a message this morning out of the book of Romans, chapter 6, and I want to take the subject out of verse 13. Yield yourselves unto God. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence through the blood of your Son, receiving cleansing from sin, Lord, and victory over it. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that today you'll touch our hearts and change our lives, and you'll mold us more into the image of your Son, that we may be like him and do as he did. Father, I pray that you'll make us the obedient servants that we need to be, that you may receive the glory you deserve, and many people may come to know you through our witness. Father, I pray this in the name of Jesus. We ask in this word this morning that you lead the way, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The, the Bible tells us, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's, let's switch it and start it from the second phrase and go back to the first. It said, for God so loved the world. And then it says, that he gave his only begotten son because he loved the world. God gave his only son because he loved the world. That kind of tells you that everything that God does has some motivation behind it. And everything that God does has a specific kind of motivation behind it, and it is love. It is love, and for the child of God to want to be like Jesus, they have to be motivated by love. It's that simple. It's not just doing the things that you should do, but it's doing it with the right intention, with the right heart. In other words, we can have two people standing side by side in the church, both of them with their hands raised high, both of them shouting the glory of God, but only one of their worship or praises being accepted and the other one being rejected. It all depends on why you're doing that, why you're raising your hand, why you're shouting. Same goes to why do you read your Bible? Same goes for why do you pray? Why do you go to church? All of these things are being judged by God. It's not just what you do, it's why you do it is the point. See, we, we begin to realize that when our hearts are right with God, we, we start doing things that we didn't do before. But we receive so much more from those things that we 
do when we're motivated correctly, when we're motivated by love. We just do them now because we want to do them, not because we have to do them. See, we're talking about two things here. We're talking about a yielding our instruments unto sin or yielding them unto God for righteousness. And it says that we're not under the law, but under grace. This tells us how to overcome sin, but it also tells us how to live for the Lord. Okay? You cannot live for the Lord according to the flesh or by the power of the flesh. Your self-will cannot produce righteousness. Your talents cannot produce righteousness. Even your acts are not considered righteous unless motivated by the heart of God, by that love that he gives us, or done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit must be evident in everything that we do before God receives it. It's that simple. Okay? So that means there's a lot of worship that's not accepted. Yes, there's a lot of time that we separate and it's not accepted by God. Yes, that is true. That is true. You must be motivated correctly. You must have the same heart that God uh, has and you must do it because of the reason he wants you to do it. Not just do it. You want to do what God wants for the right reasons. Okay? So, I'll give you an example of this. I remember reading a story about Corrie Ten Boom. If you know anything about Corrie Ten Boom, she was born, I think, in the, the late 1890s. And she went through the, um, over in Holland, she went through World War II. Her family actually hid many Jews after the uh, Nazis came into Holland and took over. And they began to persecute the Jews, sending them to concentration camps, closing down their businesses, making it impossible for them to live because of the hatred they had for a group of people. Now, many people may not realize that hatred was not a natural hatred. Nobody actually naturally should hate another person, but this was motivated by Satan himself. He just found the right players, those that would yield to him. He found in Satan, or Satan found in Hitler, as he's found in many others in times past, and he finds today as well, to perpetrate his hatred upon people because he hates everybody. He hates everything created by God. Hates it. Despises it. He wants to destroy everything created by God. His mission out of his hatred is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But those who know Jesus do just the opposite. They believe that they are sent to bring people out of the world and bring them to Jesus, bring them to salvation. 
where Jesus can wash their sins away and enjoin them with he, his Father, and the Holy Spirit in a relationship that will live forever. That's what he wants, okay? Corey Tamboom and her family, they were saved. She was actually saved at five years old. A lot of people say, well, a child can't really understand what it is to be saved. They can't really understand sin. They can't really understand salvation. So many people will say they can't be saved. Uh, it's not true in this case because she did get saved and it changed her life. At a five years old, she began to, to sense this overwhelming love. Specifically, she grew up in Harlem. Harlem is, is a part of that country that was like the poor part of the country. It's where, you know, just a street over from her house, the police were always there cleaning up the drunkards off the street. There were fights and everything, and she would witness this, and it would break her heart. She didn't look at it and turn her eye from it, she, it broke her heart. And she even uh, would love those people who were mentally ill, stuck on the streets with no means of caring for themselves. She just loved people, especially those who were downtrodden and oppressed. She loved them. She learned at an early age to just pray for them and trust that God would deliver them. At five years old, she started this. She would tell you in decades later that some of the prayers that she prayed were answered 20, 30 years after she prayed them. But she would always pray for the people on the streets in Harlem. She had a love for those people, a compassion for them. She hated the fact that they were suffering. Now that's love. We take the hardest cases before the throne room of grace and we sit back and watch God by his power deliver them. And then we must consider he did the same thing for us. Well, I wasn't drunk and I wasn't on the street. I had my right mind. All Nobody has their right mind until they come to Jesus. Nobody. So, she learned at a very young age to have compassion, to have love for people, and to allow the Lord through her prayers, in other words, call upon the Lord through her prayers to work in the lives of these people. She learned intercession at a very young age. Well, her experience many years later when she became famous, her whole family was arrested for harboring Jews during World War II. They were all arrested, and Corey Tamboom, of course, being in that place, loving those people, she suffered for her love, which happens many times. You suffer for the sacrifices that you make so that God can use you in this world of suffering. You have to give up something to help somebody else, basically. 
But Jesus freely gave himself to us, and his Father sent him here to do so. To deliver us from sin is equivalent to delivering us from the misery that we would suffer otherwise. A misery that would start in this lifetime and then would last through eternity. Instead, we, we have been exchanged, we have exchanged our sins for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Through his blood, we not only receive forgiveness, we also are delivered when we have faith. It says it in this same chapter, in verse 11, it says, Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means by faith you can overcome the power of sin. And through the blood of Jesus, by faith in what he did on the cross of Calvary, you can have every sin washed away. She knew that. She had pity on them because she knew all they needed to know was Jesus and she, they could receive these experiences as well. So decades later, after becoming quite famous for how she helped people during this difficult time, during, during this horrendous time of World War II, as people were under the boot of the Nazis, she was there to receive or, or to relieve their suffering because she loved Jesus. It made her love them. It made her love that which he created and that which he was reaching out to redeem. What do we do to show that kind of love to others? We can say, well, we love our families. Well, yeah, you can say that. But that's not the type of love we're talking about. We're talking about the love that reaches the, the lowest wretch in the world. And brings them up and sits them on solid ground, takes them out of miry clay and makes something of a wasted life. That's what we're called to do. But each one of us have to understand how it can be done. This is an instruction in righteousness, and righteousness is just simply right doing. Right doing is the kind of doing we do or better participate in as we have a loving relationship with God through his Son. Many decades later, she would tell this story about how her mother came to her when she saw all this human suffering, at five years old, her mother told her about Jesus and asked her, do you want Jesus to come and live in your heart? She said, yes. Her life changed, even at five years old. What she knew before now changed. She looked at things through the eyes of God with the same love and compassion for suffering humanity that Jesus did when he came to die on the cross. She would give a speech at one of her meetings, 
She gave many speeches telling of her experience and, and, and encouraging people to come to Jesus. She told of her story of, of being saved at such a young age. It encouraged this lady who attended the meeting to go home and talk to her little girl, Mary. Pulled her aside and talked to her about Jesus and asked her, do you, do you want Jesus to come live in your heart? She understood. She accepted Jesus. The very next day she wakes up with songs blaring of Jesus, singing at the top of her voice of, of Jesus. Her mother is saved. Her dad is not. Her dad witnesses this little girl just singing the praises of Jesus. Never seen her do that before. She was full of life all of a sudden. She went to school that day. Stepped out into the street and got hit and killed by a car. As tragic as that was, what it produced was her dad coming to Jesus. When they had the funeral, many young people coming to Jesus because of the sacrifice of a little girl. God seemed so cruel. You seem not to understand God then. God has a plan better than ours. Nobody wants to lose their child. But make sure that if you lose your child, that they go from being in your arms to his. Just make sure that all your loved ones are saved. Make sure that we're witnesses of Jesus Christ offering the gospel to every single person we meet. We're not to go hang out with people. We're there to lead them to Jesus or pray for them alone. Amen. There's no hanging out. You must have purpose to your actions and your purpose must be motivated by the love of God. Many people got saved, and I believe today if you read the story, it will lead you to go to your children and tell them they need to accept Jesus. Not just tell them that, but lead them to the Lord. And I'll tell you the greatest witness you can give them is living for Jesus. They watch you. They watch what you do. Corey Tim Boone's father, after dinner every night, was reading the Bible to them. They were praying together constantly. The subject matter in almost all conversations was Jesus. Motivated by love. With the love of God and the righteousness of God, we become witnesses to everybody around us. Without those things, we can't be. We can't live contrary to the word of God and expect everyone to look at you and accept Jesus when you say, he wants to save your soul. He loves you. We know that he loves us. But what we have to examine is how much we love him.
Love is an action. Much more than it is a feeling. Love is what you do. It's not just how you feel. You can feel it, but until you do it, it has no value. God so loved the world that he gave something. What do you have to give to the world but your witness of Jesus Christ? Give me them invitations to come into his kingdom. Giving them invitations to come into the body of Christ and begin to serve the Lord. We have a lot more to offer Jesus than many times we give him because we don't give him the time he needs to motivate our heart right and to empower us as we need to be those witnesses we should be. So we live lives that we cannot consider lives of righteousness until God has his way in that life. You have no purpose above the purpose of leading people into the kingdom of God and living in that kingdom as you should. This is not done by effort, but effort is the byproduct of a right heart and the power of God in our lives. It's a byproduct. It's automatic. When your heart is right, you love. When you love, you give. When you give, the work of God gets done. We're not saying that there's no human physical effort in it. We're just saying that it's, if it's really from God, He gives power to what you say. He gives power to what you do. It's a power that will redeem a lost soul. It's a power that will heal a sick body. It's a power that redeems, a power that sanctifies, a power that justifies, and ultimately a power that will glorify those who accept it. But that message that you give to others about Jesus must have the power of the Holy Spirit in it, and it won't unless you're walking in the ways of God. Unless you're walking in this righteousness. It's real clear, it says, that we are to be instruments of God by yielding ourselves to God. So yielding ourselves to God, it's the opposite of works. Yielding is allowing, allowing God, allowing him, first of all, to have control of our heart. So that we feel as we feel. Allowing him control of our heart. So what he does with it. Will have the right motivation. He gives you the right motivation. As we yield our hearts to God. We yield our thoughts to God. Even though there are mechanical ways to do these things. It's just a simple act of faith. Oh, Lord God, I'll let you take care of this one. The more I live, the more I realize something. If I'm moaning and groaning and complaining, it's because I ain't believing. 
If I'm moaning and groaning and complaining, it's because I'm not praying. So we don't have to moan and groan and complain anymore if we just pray and take all of our needs to the Lord and allow Him, by His power, to do something about something we can't do something about. In other words, we don't take life situations into our own hands. We take them to the cross. We don't need to take them into our own hands. We've got a Savior who can do anything. And He'll do it right. Yield to His righteousness. And watch what happens in your life. All of a sudden, you'll feel so close to Jesus. You'll love like He loves. You'll do as He did. You'll feel as he feels. You'll think like he thinks. And then you'll be transformed into the image of the very own Son of God. God's very own Son. He wants you to be like him. And you can, not by effort, but by relinquishing control of your heart, your life. I know we all have things we want to do, but we have to put those at the foot of the cross and allow God to give us what he wants done because that's the only thing considered righteousness. What he wants done, his will, so we have to yield to his will. He will use our hands. He will use our feet. He will use our minds. He will use our bodies. He will use all of us. There is nothing in this world better than being spent for Jesus. Nothing. Nothing matches the experience. Nothing brings so much fulfillment and joy in our lives than to hear Jesus do something and allow him to do it in our lives. Nothing is better. That's why I don't think people pray very much. They don't understand prayer. Or they experience so little of it. They give him so little time. They don't understand that me being in prayer does more for me than it does anybody else. But it can do something for everybody. Pray for that person. It will change that person. It will bring that person conviction. And conviction is the first step to salvation. When we know we're wrong, we also know we've got the blood of Jesus that will wash away our sins. When we know we're bound, we know we got the blood of Jesus that will break that bondage. All of this comes not by effort, but by faith. I believe what it says, and I'm going to start reckoning myself to be dead unto that bondage of sin and alive unto God so he can start working in my life. And that's the way you yield to God. That's the way he takes control. That's how God works in this world through his children. Amen. Satan works through his children. And they get a lot of work done. But God wants to work through you the right motivation, that love in your heart, not just any old kind of love, not doing it to get something, but doing it just to do it for him, to bring glory to God, you're on the right track. 
Your heart's right when everything you do, you want what you did to bring glory to God, not yourself, no benefit of your own, just all to, 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 to the benefit of the kingdom of God. That's what we want. I hope you do. I want to be like that. In other words, I want the righteousness of God. I want to yield unto God. Yielding is by faith. I give my heart, Lord, to you, and I'm not going to try anymore. I'm going to let you give me my motivations. Let you, by your spirit, give me the abilities, the power to do what you want. And when you pray, God works. When you pray, God works. When you pray, yielding your members unto God, God works. Amen? It's time. Play the song, brother. The altar's open. It's time God works in your life.